Chapter Ten of the World's Lumber Room by Selina Gay. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Ten: What Becomes of the Dust, Flint, Salt, etc. We mentioned in the last chapter the strong resemblance existing between the Atlantic ooze and the chalk, which, wherever found, has evidently been formed in a similar way. But there is one great difference between them chalk especially that of the english cliffs consists almost entirely of carbonate of lime and such small quantities of other minerals as it contains are as equally mixed with it as if the whole had been well stirred flints are very commonly associated with chalk and sometimes occur in layers or sheets at almost regular intervals but not a particle of flint is scattered about in the chalk itself the atlantic mud on the other hand contains no flints but does contain a large proportion of silica twenty to thirty per cent in the shape of cases sheaths and skeletons of minute animals and vegetables and the bed of the pacific is to a still larger extent covered with these silicious remains silica is not enumerated among the minerals contained in sea-water because in one thousand grains the quantity is so small as to be little more than a trace silver gold and many other metals and minerals are omitted for the same reason but if there be but a trace in one thousand grains the amount dissolved in the whole of the ocean will be far from trifling it has been calculated for instance that the ocean must contain some two hundred million tons of silver with regard to the silica we know that it exists dissolved in all water more or less and is therefore conveyed to the ocean in large quantities but like the lime it is wanted by such innumerable living things that little remains in the water silica also is greatly attracted by dead and decaying substances and collects round dead sponges bits of coral shells etc and sea-urchins are frequently found filled with flint as well as embedded in it so many flints have more or less the shape of sponges that it seems probable these formed the nucleus round which the silica collected and indeed when a thin slice of flint is magnified it is very often found to contain various minute organisms such as sponges are known to feed upon toilet sponges consist of fine elastic fibres resembling silk in composition and closely woven together but these form only the skeleton and when alive were covered within and without with a film of jelly like white of egg but consisting of numerous individual animals or living cells which were as perpetually changing their shape as a drop of liquid kept in constant motion some of the cells being provided with hair-like lashes cilia which they keep waving to and fro draw the water into the innermost recesses of the sponge through the minute pores and expel it again through the large holes thus keeping up a constant circulation by means of which all refuse and bad air are carried off for though they cannot be said to breathe they do take up oxygen and give off carbonic acid Footnote professor huxley compares the sponge with a kind of subaqueous city where the people are arranged about the streets and roads in such a manner that each can easily appropriate his food from the water as it passes along End of footnote. the fibres of the skeleton are for the most part of uniform size 
but here and there one is thicker than the rest and contains a thorn of flint called a spicule these are rarely found in the sponges sold for toilet purposes but the skeletons of other kinds are frequently strengthened by them though usually of flint they are sometimes of carbonate of lime and though all of microscopic size the variety in their shapes is simply endless there are fairy fish-hooks crochet-hooks stars and toasting-forks looking as if they were made of glass of different colours in some sponges the skeleton is entirely composed of spicules of carbonate of lime and in many both fibres and spicules are of silica one of these latter called venus's flower-basket from its great beauty is a tapering tube curved like a horn which looks exactly as if woven out of white spun glass so regular is the network when alive it is covered with a film of greyish-brown jelly and lives half buried in mud into which it is prevented from sinking by a fringe-like root of glassy spicules another kind called the glass rope sponge or sea whip has long roots of transparent colourless silica like threads of glass some as fine as hair others as coarse as twine which are twisted into a coil about a quarter of an inch thick and some twenty or more inches long the roots are buried in mud and the soft sponge grows above but the whole was thought to look so unnatural that as the first specimens were brought from japan they were believed to be artificial productions fine sea-whips have however been found off the coast of portugal and elsewhere so there is no longer any doubt of their genuineness it is however the smaller and chiefly invisible organisms which use up most of the silica carried into the ocean and which have left the most extensive remains professor bischoff compares them with an extensive pumping apparatus so enormous are the quantities of water perpetually passing through them a hundred millions weigh less than one grain but being full grown in twenty-four hours each individual must in that time imbibe at least nineteen point two grains about nineteen drops or thirty three thousand three hundred and thirty three times its own weight of water in order to obtain the silica required for its case or sheath nineteen drops the quantity sounds insignificant but if human beings drank at the same rate in proportion to their size each would swallow five million pounds in twenty-four hours or enough to drive a mill-wheel as already stated a thousand grains of sea-water contain but a minute quantity of dissolved silica and as it is unlikely that the diatom or infusorian extracts the whole amount they probably swallow much more than nineteen drops End of footnote. this microscopic population is so vast that we cannot form the faintest idea of its numbers but we do know that one species is capable of multiplying fourfold in from twenty-four to thirty hours so that in ten days a million individuals might spring from one parent but one little animal the rotifer multiplies faster still and in thirty days might have a trillion descendants the weight of whose silicious sheaths would be sixty-five thousand pounds and supposing the mass to be of the density of mountain meal it might form a bed of silica twenty-five square miles in extent and about one foot and three-quarters thick 
the rotifers or wheel animalculi so called from the wheel-like arrangement of cilia with which they are furnished are much higher up in the scale of life than the infusoria though so minute that one species having a single ruby-like eye measures only one one hundred and twenty-fifth of an inch in length and one three hundred and fiftieth in breadth they inhabit both fresh and salt water and some have sheaths and some not the infusoria are likewise furnished with cilia by means of which they move and bring their food within reach and having mouths are superior to the foraminifera and other protozoa or lowest forms of animal life which can hardly be said to have any organs and absorb their food through the whole surface of their bodies which are but specks of slime or jelly many of the infusoria are covered by a sheath or shell and most commonly increase by the simple process of splitting themselves in two they multiply so rapidly that one polygastria may in forty-eight hours have given rise to a progeny too large to be expressed in numbers below the infusoria are the polycystini or radiolaria which are nearly allied to the foraminifera but have shells of flint often set all over with hair-like needles the whole shell needles and all being a mere speck of the size of a grain of sand some are extremely beautiful objects when magnified and resemble the carved ivory balls for which the chinese are noted notwithstanding their extreme minuteness they have formed whole beds of silicious rock such as that known as barbados earth which is almost entirely composed of their shields among the most important consumers of silica however are the microscopic plants called diatomaceae which swarm on the surface of the ocean and are found more or less in all waters salt or fresh and in all latitudes in warm weather they sometimes form a mouldy covering half an inch thick on stagnant water sometimes they collect in a yellow-brown layer at the bottom of ponds or on water-plants stones mosses or they may be found filling the towing net in the antarctic regions and staining the floating ice with an ochreous tinge they are one-celled plants consisting usually as their name implies of two symmetrical portions or valves which are coated with pure silica the variety in their shapes is endless and wonderful and almost all are delicately marked and sculptured with bands of dots and lines yet in spite of the exquisite beauty of their glass cases they are so minute that forty-one thousand million could be accommodated in one cubic inch of space and a hundred and eighty-six million would weigh but a grain and look to the naked eye like a mere pinch of dust they multiply rapidly however and one may become eight million in forty-eight hours while in four days its progeny will fill two cubic feet of space it is these diatoms which are the main cause of the silting up of harbours at Vismar on the baltic they accumulate at the rate of seventeen thousand four hundred and ninety-six cubic feet annually enough to form a solid cube measuring twenty-six feet each way as they die their cases fall through the water in a constant steady shower and in the course of ages they have formed deposits many miles in extent and many fathoms thick the thickest known deposit is that upon which berlin is built which is eighty-four feet deep 
there is another eighteen feet thick beneath richmond virginia and one at st petersburg is thirty feet thick the polishing slate of bilin mountain meal of sweden and tuscany richmond earth kieselgur or flint froth of germany the tripoli stone of africa italy bohemia germany france and the united states as well as the beds of white earth on the banks of the amazons and the bath brick from the bed of the river parrot in somersetshire all consist chiefly or wholly of the indestructible cases of diatoms and other minute organisms some deposited in fresh others in salt water footnote rottenstone has a different origin carbonated water has filtered through beds of silicious limestone carrying away the lime and leaving a light porous residuum of flint End of footnote the infusorial earth of nova scotia so called though the vegetable nature of the diatoms has long been established looks much like chalk and is a very light white friable earth which when examined by a bright light shows an infinite number of glistening specks of pure silica whose hardness and sharpness makes them useful for polishing electrosilicon or magic brilliant the white substance employed for cleaning jewellery is also a diatom earth found in nevada in lapland a similar earth is mixed with bark and used as food and in america the farmers have been trying it as manure to supply the lack of silica some of these earths whether of animal or vegetable origin have been mixed with clay and lime and made into floating bricks one-sixth the weight of ordinary bricks and fireproof some are added to sealing wax paper soap india rubber and modelling clay to give consistency and finally the once harmless little vegetables are mixed with nitroglycerine and converted into dynamite nature acts more kindly by them and is believed to have turned some of them into semi-opals one of the most important ends served by the diatoms however is that of being food for many of the lower animals especially the protozoa among which we may mention the beautiful little noctiluca or night-light thirty thousand of which may be contained in one cubic inch of water they are themselves shellless moulded in the shape of melons the largest hardly bigger than the head of a minikin pin and are brilliantly phosphorescent at certain seasons they crowd the waves in such multitudes that one will be found in each drop of water phosphorescence in the open sea is however said to be produced chiefly by a minute plant pyrocystis of the size of a pin's head which is very abundant far from land and like the diatom also has a thin casing of silica but diatoms contribute indirectly to the nourishment even of the great north atlantic whales for these feed chiefly on the acorn-like medusae brought to them by the gulf stream which sometimes cover the ocean so thickly as to make it look like a prairie strewn with yellow leaves each medusa consists of from five to nine lobes and as each lobe has been found filled with diatoms to the number of seven hundred thousand each individual must swallow from three and a half to more than six millions at a meal diatoms have another important function which will be referred to later but the countless millions which are forever dying and sinking 
must form a considerable item in the bill of fare of many of the creatures which live at the bottom of the sea and are therefore wholly dependent upon what is brought to them for there are no beds of weed to which they can go for a meal seaweeds require a certain amount of light and usually form only a fringe about a mile wide round the coast being practically limited to depths of less than a hundred fathoms though stragglers are met with here and there footnote the most highly sensitive photograph plates remain unaltered a hundred and sixty-six feet below the surface End of footnote. the average depth of the ocean between sixty degrees north and sixty degrees south is two thousand five hundred fathoms and the population would be scanty indeed if they lived only on such pieces of weed as are torn from the coast besides the deep sea dwellers there are not only the foraminifera already mentioned but in the hotter seas vast multitudes of the wing-footed mollusks called teropoda from the fin-like lobes projecting from their sides which live in and on the surface of the water far away from the seaweeds on the coast in addition to the diatoms however the inhabitants of the ocean may feed on the great masses of floating weed such as the sargasso or gulf weed which occurs in some parts of the atlantic over a space of three million square miles in olive or golden patches of various sizes from a few feet to several acres with lanes of dark blue water between there is a similar but smaller mass of weed in the north pacific and such multitudes of fishes mollusks crustaceans zoophytes etc dwell in and feed on these ocean prairies that the destruction of one of them would probably occasion greater loss of life than the destruction of a large forest on land the giant kelp which grows at tierra del fuego to the length of three hundred and sixty feet is also sometimes met with in a floating condition footnote lowly algae also abound and indeed the surface water of the open ocean is full of vegetable life End of footnote. seaweeds differ from land plants in this that they have no true roots and the tough leathery fibre or disc which takes the place of these only clasps and does not penetrate the rocks from which therefore it derives no nourishment all their food comes from the sea and much is supplied to them by the rivers many seaweeds grow with great rapidity and rocks which have been not only cleared but chiselled smooth are found covered in less than six months with a dense growth of weed from two to six feet long which must have sprung from seed besides silica and lime they take up other minerals some take large quantities of magnesia iodine in combination with sodium and magnesium is obtained from the ash of certain species and some of the olive-coloured fuci contain so much sulphuric acid that where they are thrown up in large heaps and left to decompose as is the case at copenhagen the silver in the neighbouring houses quickly turns black most seaweed ash contains more or less soda and that of the bladder fucus and some other olive seaweeds yields so much that in former times many people made their living by it the weeds were burnt in pits and the dark brown half glassy looking cakes of ashes called kelp were sold for glass and soap making bleaching and other purposes scotland and her islands at one time supplied twenty thousand tons of kelp annually but the kelp burners do little now as the carbonate of soda or soda ash 
is now manufactured in enormous quantities directly from sea salt how does the salt which sea water contains in such abundance get into the sea like the other minerals it is brought by the rivers but this some people find it difficult to believe since river water is fresh not salt and they prefer therefore to adopt the old notion that there are vast beds of salt somewhere in the ocean these beds have not been discovered however and are therefore at present at all events wholly imaginary whereas it is no imagination but an ascertained fact that all spring water and almost all fresh water contains a small quantity of salt common rock salt is a compound of the gas chlorine with the metal sodium hence called chloride of sodium various compounds of chlorine chlorides are found in granite mica and many other minerals as well as in volcanic rocks and compounds of sodium exist in such enormous quantities that not a single minute speck of dust is said to be free from them lava is frequently found covered with crystals of salt a few days after it has been poured forth sometimes large masses of salt are thrown out and after some eruptions of mount hecla enough has been found to load several horses there is no mystery therefore as to whence the rivers might be supplied with salt but as the quantity they convey is usually too small to destroy their sweetness it may at first sight seem strange that it should be enough to make the sea so intensely salt but if only a small quantity of salt is being constantly added while a much smaller quantity is withdrawn any body of water must become perceptibly salt in time we know that river water contains a minute quantity of salt though our taste is unable to detect it sometimes however we can even taste it during the great drought in la plata which lasted from eighteen twenty seven to eighteen thirty when the land became so loaded with dust that old landmarks were obliterated and much confusion and even lawsuits were the consequence evaporation went on rapidly and as in addition to this the rivers were fed entirely by springs many of the small ones became so salt as to kill the animals which drank of them evaporated water as has been said is almost pure chlorides and other salts and minerals are left behind and accumulate so that the smaller the body of water became the salter it would be footnote a salt is the substance formed when an acid combines with an alkali and forms a body neither acid nor alkaline but neutral thus sodium and sulphuric acid make glauber salts sodium and nitric acid make chili saltpetre potassium and nitric acid make nitre or saltpetre calcium and sulphuric acid make gypsum or calcium sulphate End of footnote. this is what has taken place in the great salt lake of utah which was formerly much larger and filled with fresh water as is evident from the remains of freshwater shells on its ancient beach at that time it had an outlet into the snake river and so to the pacific and its waters were kept in a constant state of circulation whereas now that it has shrunk and has no outlet 
all that is brought into it must needs remain with the exception of the water which is constantly evaporating and that too a little faster than it is poured in by the feeding streams consequently the lake must still be growing smaller and salter the water is in fact far salter than that of the sea being saturated i.e it contains as much as it can hold and deposits of salt are formed on the cliffs and rocks if ever the whole body of water should be evaporated beds of pure rock salt would remain behind salt beds are forming at the present day on the borders of the black sea where all the rivers between the danube and dnieper widen out into shallow lakes which are separated from the sea by narrow dams some of these lakes become partially dry every summer and salt is then deposited in thin layers round the margin but often as much as a foot thick in the middle as much as two hundred and sixteen million pounds were obtained one year for one of the lakes is forty miles wide supposing communication were cut off between the black sea mediterranean and atlantic then as the water removed by evaporation would exceed that received by the rivers the seas would become salter and salter until the water was saturated after which all the salt which could not be held in solution would simply fall to the bottom and there accumulate something of this sort has probably taken place in the dead sea which has nowhere any visible outlet footnote sea water is not nearly saturated End of footnote. the salt we use with our food is manufactured from the cheshire and worcestershire brine springs which have flowed through beds of salt and are in many cases almost saturated they are known to have flowed for a thousand years and as one million six hundred and thirty thousand tons of salt have been obtained in one year from the cheshire springs alone they must have conveyed enormous quantities to the mersey and so back to the sea much of the cheshire rock salt is so pure as to need nothing but crushing before it is fit for use another mineral often found with rock salt is gypsum or sulphate of lime which is the first to separate and fall to the bottom when sea-water is evaporated beds of salt and gypsum two feet thick have been formed on the rocks in some places simply by the evaporation of spray gypsum when burnt and thus freed from water is called plaster of paris this is made into a paste with water and used for making casts and moulds if all the invisible salts of the sea could be extracted they would cover several millions of square miles one mile deep and yet all this vast amount of matter makes no difference in the bulk of the ocean whose waters would occupy as much space if it were all taken away it does however affect the weight of the water which is much heavier than fresh water and is heaviest where it is saltest so perfectly is the circulation of the ocean maintained by means of currents etc that sea-water varies little in composition all over the world and even before the cutting of the suez canal the waters of the mediterranean and red sea contained the same minerals though the latter is not fed by a single river or brook and communicates with the indian ocean while the former opens into the atlantic as however evaporation takes place from the surface the surface water becomes slightly salter but as it also becomes heavier it sinks 
the lighter water from below taking its place and as a constant exchange is thus kept up no one part can be much salter than another in the tropics where evaporation goes on rapidly and on coasts where much water is locked up in the form of ice which is always fresh a slight increase of saltness is observable end of chapter ten